Hello and a very warm welcome to the Big Bright Podcast. I'm your host, Emma. When the pandemic lifts, we'll need to go back to normal, except it will be a new type of normal and it might be quite a change to what we're used to. It got us thinking about how our team will adapt to working back in the office after months of being at home and working remotely. As Zoom chats replace face-to-face conversations, reverting back to the old way seems almost impossible. Today, we're really pleased to welcome back our head of people, Caroline, as we discuss the possible challenges that will come after lockdown and the positive ways we can overcome them. Reboarding, it's so 2020. Hello and welcome to Caroline. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Surviving at home and working from, uh, where are you working from today? My spare room, but luckily we've got a sofa bed in there, so I've managed to convert it into a sofa, so it feels a little bit more like an office space. And everybody else is banned from this room. It's totally my office now. Oh, amazing. People will be quite jealous of that. (laughs) I've had a lot of calls and Zoom chats where people's kids have popped up and animals jumped on onto the desk. Yeah, I am lucky like that, that we've got the space. The cat is banned and the child is 14 and doesn't want to come anywhere near me anyway. So once again, we, as you can probably tell, we're recording remotely due to lockdown. And following the recent Prime Minister's address on Sunday, we can only assume this is going to be the way for quite a while. But once companies are allowed to go back to the offices, there's going to be some work involved in transitioning back into a routine. So how are you feeling about this at Bright? I think there's a mixture of feelings. You know, I think that people are quite keen to get back into the office and to re-establish the social contact and there's a real temptation to, I think to want to re-establish things exactly as they were before but I think everybody's also realistic about that that it's not going to return to exactly how it was before and also that it is going to be an evolving process as well there's no quick kind of return to work it's going to be phases we're going to have to just see how it goes and have an adapting plan yeah and I guess that there's a feeling you know you mentioned people want it to go back to normal and I can totally understand that because that's all we know really isn't it we know our office life and we know our home office life but I guess it'd be really interesting in this podcast to examine potentially some of the positive changes that could come out from you know from this new normal that everybody's talking about they've released a roadmap and this roadmap is very tentative at the moment and obviously completely relies on data but in that there is some advice for employers including some social distancing and corona risk assessment so how have you started to think and plan about how you could adapt those to fit the requirements at Bright? Initially, I mean, we've just sort of basically done a bit of a brain dump about, you know, what are the things that we need to think about? With every piece of new information, we add a bit more to that document. But what we are gradually doing now is evolving it into our own roadmap for how we might phase people into work. And obviously, the very first thing I think that we we need to be doing and will be doing is, is doing a risk assessment specifically around the coronavirus and our office space, because obviously every workplace is different with different challenges. And we need to really think about what the risks and what the possible return to work plan might be specific to our particular workplace. Yeah, and I guess you've got two separate, quite large offices, haven't you? So you're lucky in that respect to have some space. It will be more challenging for people who are working very close together. But I can see, you know, picturing your offices now, how you could potentially adhere to two metres if needed. I mean, obviously, the social distancing rules are still going to apply and will apply for quite some time. We're thinking about things like, you know, the layout of the desks. We've got a lot of space, as you say, but we're definitely thinking about you know how do we space people out maybe we have 
we buy some barriers to put in as well. There's all sorts of things that we can do to actually adapt our space. One of the biggest challenges that we will have, I think, is is our lift. I know we've talked about it a lot. Historically, there's always been massive queues for it. People crushed into the lift and we're on the ninth floor. So a lot of people, you know, obviously climbing up all those stairs is a bit of a problem. These are one of the things we're going to have to do is just say, right, okay, we've got a lift that potentially can only be used by one person at a time. There are many other other businesses within our building who are also wanting to be using that we've got to have some rules maybe arranged with the the building management about how that's used but in the meantime there's a set of stairs (laughs) people are going to have to bite the bullet (laughs) what I can imagine is a stair lift and then some sort of horrendous 80s style call center barriers in all our offices and we're basically in tiny little boxes So I'm hoping, you know, that's not going to be the case. Exactly. It's just reminding me of that Dolly Parton film, Nine to Five. You basically sit in your box for eight hours and go home. And and how will you approach face-to-face meetings that you used to have? Will you still do those via Zoom? Will you shout across the office? How do you envision this? Some of our meeting rooms are definitely big enough where you could sit far enough apart to have two or three people meetings. But I think what we would be doing is obviously discouraging people having meetings with external external parties in the office and stick to processes that we've been using up till now, like the Zoom meetings. People are getting so much more used to how those operate. And there's a slightly different sort of social etiquette on Zoom, but it's it's working pretty well for people. And I think whilst safety is paramount, then we will be encouraging people to continue with using those tools, really. And in terms of how you're going to approach things like the, the shared kitchen, have you thought about what rulings you'll have for that? Yeah, and we've got two kitchens, one in each side of the office. One is significantly smaller than the other. So we might have slightly different rules for each kitchen, like how many people you can have in the kitchen at any one time. We might also think about having allocated times for each team. But I think it'll be about sort of having some clear guidance and, and rules for how people are able to use kitchens and bathrooms and things like that so that people understand the need to maintain social distance. You've done well already because you've already implemented this flexibility about working hours and I think you will be ahead of the game in some ways because people can potentially stagger coming into work whereas you know a lot of other places that everyone's got to be there on the dot at nine so I feel like the companies maybe that have been a bit more progressive before this will adapt quicker to these changes do you think that's the case? I think so and I think it sort of means that people who've had flexible approach to working hours it's less of a transition to them so we've had people starting at seven o'clock in the morning anytime up till 10 and I think really encouraging people to take advantage of that flexibility that we've already had in place with them explaining that we would prefer people not to be using public transport and that we would like people to be coming in and using that flexibility will definitely stand us in good stead for that how do you plan to actually manage the transition so when the time comes that that we are allowed to start to move back to the office how do you feel that will work in terms of transitioning people and reboarding them back in you know obviously bearing in mind the government guidelines we need to think about who we bring back in first and I, I think one of those things will be not just thinking about what team needs to be back in the office I mean classically you might think okay the customer service team the customer success team they need to be back in first and that might be right but also it's about thinking about 
which people would benefit most from coming back into the office first. And there are a lot of people who've really enjoyed working from home and it suited their working style. But then there are also people who have found it very difficult to maintain the productivity that they had in the office. And it might be that we prioritise those people coming back in first. So it's thinking about it quite holistically, not just by job role, but also about how this particular working situation has affected individuals. You might have some people that have to commute a long way. So actually, this is working better for them. So it does make sense to almost cherry pick the people whose needs are greater. Have you got anyone furloughed at the moment? Yes, we have got a couple of people furloughed at the moment. One of them is furloughed because he is the office manager. So clearly, that role was virtually impossible to do from working from home. And I think one of the things that we need to also prioritise when we do start being able to come back into the office is how do we help those furloughed staff feel part of the team again? Because they've actively been banned from doing any work and having that contact with the team. They need to be reintegrated with the team and respect being given to the fact that they might feel a bit out of the loop, really. Yeah, I think I spoke to a friend the other day who went on maternity leave and she talked about when she came back from maternity leave feeling like she'd started a completely new company. There wasn't any kind of empathy or thought given to reboarding her because essentially she'd been out of the workspace for, you know, over nine months and her life had completely changed and she was coming back in and, and she felt there were lots of people she didn't know. So I kind of feel like it's a similar sort of thing, isn't it? It's, you've got to really understand that people are, especially people who have been furloughed, are going to feel like quite out of place and maybe quite insecure. So I suppose it's a, a case of trying to yeah, reboard them and make them feel part of the team and, and give them the time and space to adapt back into their you know new old ways. Exactly. And, and one of the things that a maternity leave person has that a, a furloughed person doesn't have is the maternity has provision for keeping in touch days. People have up to 10 days where they can come back into the office and, and ease that transition in. Whereas for a furloughed person, they may be not working one day and then back to working the next day. Because I know you're doing your kind of Friday drinks and lunch clubs. So are they still joining in now and again to those? We haven't really encouraged that because it's so easy for that to transition into talking about work. We don't want people to actually be in any way dragged back into, oh, I'll just answer that email or I'll just give you that piece of information because they are supposed to be not working at all. And I don't want to jeopardise the ability to claim that allowance, you know. So we have discouraged them from, from doing that, which seems a bit harsh, but it's just about wanting to make sure that we are fully committed to sticking to the rules. I think that does make it even more important that you just sit down with somebody who's come back off furlough, starting to work in the office and go, right, okay, what has happened since you were away? What has changed? What gaps do we need to fill in? What support do you need? You have a real benefit of Bright of having you as the head of people thinking about this. So I think this will be really useful to any other person running a company who perhaps doesn't have that resource and needs to start to think about how they will, you know, bring people back in and maybe dedicating a member of the team to be that person to help reboard because it's such an important part isn't it really because the just the well-being of of all your staff mentally coming back together is is a huge thing that people won't have had to deal with before on such a level it is and I think the key is thinking about people as individuals and not as a block of 
people you know everybody's different and everybody will have had a different experience of this and everybody will have a different struggle with it you know there, there are things like people who may be shielding a vulnerable member who may really really want to come back to work and not be able to because it's not the right thing for their family and that that's another kind of example of an individual circumstance that shouldn't be forgotten. Members of our society will have been affected differently like you say by the guidelines and some people have found it quite easy others have struggled with working whilst homeschooling children or just felt incredibly lonely being at home you talk about supporting people individually so how how are you going to ensure that you do do that and what's the process the first thing is just the recognition that there may be issues and paying attention to any mental health impacts an understanding of what I was talking about before about there being very different experiences according to different individuals and different individual circumstances and part of that will be on return to work actually if not before you know just giving people that space to communicate an awareness that it's okay to talk about it if they're not doing well that day or um, finding it difficult that, that they should share that with whoever they feel comfortable with sharing it with but that that's an okay conversation to have and it's a natural feeling to not be totally okay all the time so that's the first thing really I think and then also to be aware that some people may come back and feel totally fine and the impact may hit them weeks or even months down the line but the the main thing is just being the sort of organization that allows those conversations and creates the space for those conversations to happen we as a company can't fix all the problems that people might experience but we can certainly be aware and encourage people to get the help that they might need if that's the 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 outcome that's necessary absolutely and and how have you dealt with family members so have a lot of the staff members got children you know what sort of percentage are dealing with homeschooling Uh, we're quite a young organization you know most most people are in their sort of mid-30s so A lot of people have kids of varying different ages. So a lot of people are doing a kind of shift system with their partners. So they might be working in the morning and they might be working in the afternoon, later into the evening. People may need a bit of a gap in the middle of the day to help children with with homeschooling and things like that. So they may have a sort of split shift as well. And going back into work, we're kind of assuming that um, schools will be going back at the same time as we're able to go back into work. But if that's not the case, people may need that sort of flexibility of shifts when we are back in a working situation and also the other thing is kids will have got used to having their parents around a lot more that attention that they've had they may not be able to switch off from needing that it's going to be really tricky for parents I think my neighbours for example their kids have loved being homeschooled they'll have to in a sense reboard their children to going back to school which you know additionally might bring some difficulties to their personal lives yes I mean that's that's the other thing you know we we are dealing with our our employees as individuals at work but they all have kind of whole bubbles of stuff going on around them as well that impacts them and their ability to interact with us at work so children readjusting maybe having their own issues and the parent having to deal with that you know it's an extended kind of care that we have as an employer as well. It's a lot to think about. So Caroline are there any key learnings that you feel that you and the Bright team will take from this lockdown period? 
I think one of the things is is really thoroughly embracing more people being happy to work from home. I think, you know, if people have really enjoyed and been productive in this situation, then, you know, we've always allowed people to work from home and it's not been a, an issue, but people have only ever done it sort of sporadically, maybe a day a week or, you know, occasionally when they needed to really concentrate on a project. But actually, I'd be really happy for people to, to have a more permanent kind of arrangement of working from home, say for half of their week or maybe potentially even a bit more and encourage the face-to-face contact with with Zoom meetings when people were working from home previously. There was a tendency to go, oh, we'll wait for them to come back into the office before we have that conversation. There feels now there's no need to do that. You can just carry on as normal. You don't have to reschedule meetings just because somebody's working from home. You can continue to operate in the same way as you would do for the whole team and just include that person in the Zoom meeting. I mean, I think there probably would be an advantage of maybe having designating one day which is a if you can be in the office this is the best day for everybody to be in to keep that sort of community and any sort of cross-company meetings happening on that day I think this whole experience has encouraged us to view working from home as much more of a positive thing and we already had trust in our employees but this has proven that trust is absolutely valid and people have been so committed and worked so hard and productivity really has not been affected by this from our point of view for the vast majority of people so why wouldn't we encourage people to to take advantage of working from home if that suits them yeah that's really interesting because in our previous podcast with Vic we talked a lot about trust and having trust within the organization and in your employees and I think that this will be a benefit across you know the nation and across the world that people are going to see more flexibility because it has really been proven that people are working from home and they value their jobs more now than ever because it can fit in around their lifestyle I think people may work harder because they appreciate the the chance to you know have that more of a work-life balance so I think that's great that you're identifying that and, and taking that potentially to the next level and that really answers our initial question doesn't it about what will be the new normal and the new normal perhaps with Bright will be that you don't all work in the office together but you're going to still have great communication because we've honed these skills over lockdown exactly it has that so it has a benefit for the team we've already got but also it's got a benefit for the potential recruits that we might have in the future because it's it's certainly made me and the people that I'm working with much more open to recruiting remote workers for example in the future we've seen it work well with our team and we can now absolutely visualize having a an employee working remotely from the get-go which before we think oh no I think we'd need to have them working in the office for a while because we need to integrate them with the culture and the team we can now see how we can do that using remote methods and them still feel absolutely part of the team yeah and we actually recorded didn't we we recorded a podcast about onboarding a recruit remotely because that's a challenge that a lot of people will be you know facing at the moment so of course if you can do that within lockdown you can do that after lockdown and then that just spreads the net wider for talent to join Bright and any other company and it doesn't just you know mean you have to recruit from your pool in Brighton so that's that's quite amazing really isn't it if you think about it and the fact that you're open to doing that and you feel like you could get to know somebody just as well and have them integrate into the company culture so that's a huge leap forward. It is and it has massive benefits as well from a point of view of accessibility and diversity that's a real positive to take out of 
of what is a very tricky situation. And I think that's a great point to finish on, really, a great positive to finish on. And I think it would be great if we maybe came back in three to six months and discussed, you know, how this worked and and how life looks after lockdown and how things have actually changed. Because everything that you've talked about today sounds extremely positive and well thought out. And I think that if only a few people could take away some tips and hints to how they could approach this within their organisation, it could really help, you know, a lot of people who are struggling and can't quite see how things will work when they get back to the workplace. So thank you, Caroline. You've been amazing as usual. Thank you. No, it's been fun. And I think the real key is we've got to be adaptable and see change as a positive thing. Here's to that. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe to ensure you never miss an episode. You can find out more top tips from the Bright team on our website at bright-interactive.co.uk.